Hello, and welcome to the Business Success Show. I'm your host, Kim Davis, and during this podcast series, I'll be interviewing the leaders of the world's most iconic brands to discover the secrets to their success. Plus, I'll be sharing with you tips and ideas on how you can apply these lessons to your own life and work. So come with me as your next business success lesson starts now. Very excited to welcome Stephanie Okamoto to the show. She is a global uh, learning and development director over at Microsoft and uh, an amazing lady. So thank you very much for joining me today, Stephanie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. My pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. So I just want to dig in. You know, we've met recently and I was amazed by your story because you've got such an inspirational story. I think you've been working at Microsoft for 21 Mm -hmm. years, which I think is unheard of in this day and age for anybody to be in one place for that long. And I'm really curious to hear your story about how you came into Microsoft. I believe you started off in IT and swapped Mm -hmm. over into HR, which is unheard of. So mm-hmm. take us on that journey. How did you start and how did you get to where you are today? Uh, well, it's interesting and it's a story I'm super proud of. Um, so starting from the beginning, I, I was born and raised in a really small town in Washington. Uh, and I always knew that education was going to be my ticket out and my ticket for more opportunity. And so um, I went to a community college and played very competitive volleyball on academic scholarship and athletic scholarship. Um, because we didn't have a lot of money. And so I had to figure out a way to pay for my education. And so um, I then took my AA degree and my associate's degree and I transferred to University of Washington. And that's where I um, majored in psychology. I got a Bachelor of Science in Psychology and I started working for a publishing firm there to pay for my education. Um, And what was interesting is that Halfway through um, my finishing my um, Bachelor of Science, the company I was working for was acquired by a company in Michigan. And so I was given the choice, you could move to Michigan or you can figure something else out. And I was like, Mm. no offense to anybody in Michigan, but I did not want to move to Michigan. (laughs) And so I had a friend at the time um, who told me that um, she thought I would be a really good software tester. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And so I then researched what that was. I got some dummies books, if you remember those, like Internet yes. for Dummies, C Sharp for Dummies, and all of those kinds of things. And I, and I attended a um, software testing class where I got a certificate in software testing. And so I learned all about the industry. It was in the year, gosh, I shouldn't even say, like 1995 or 96 or something like that. So it was booming for software testers. Sure. And um, I... Uh, I, I got a, a job as a, as a software tester working for a vendor company of Microsoft. And for six years, I was a, a senior test lead there. And then the group that I was a vendor for was hiring and starting their own team internally. So I thought, why, why not? Like, I, you know, like Microsoft was the be all end all company I wanted to work for anyway. And so I interviewed and got a job as a software tester in um, October of 2000. And so from there, I um, 
you know, the thing that's great about Microsoft is you can reinvent yourself a million different ways. And so I went from being a software tester to being um, a software test manager and then a dev and test manager when the discipline of software testing shifted a little bit. And then I moved from there to managing the technical certification team for a while of the global technical certification team. Um, but all through those years and early on at Microsoft and even as a vendor for the test company I worked for, I... I found myself really being drawn to people initiatives and making um, the employee experience a really good one. And that was primarily through who their manager was and how their manager showed up every day. And, and um, I don't wanna say managed them because that's not really what being a manager is about. Um, but anyway, so I started driving initiatives at Microsoft around um, just that, manager initiatives. I started a um, manager forum that was just, I just wanted to make managers better and I was seeing discrepancies. So I thought, okay, why can't I just bring managers together to learn from each other? And so I started these um, manager forums that um, brought managers together every month. In the beginning, only a handful of managers showed up, but word got out that these were happening and it ended up being a, um, an offering for my entire organization globally every month that I ran. Um, nice. Yeah, it was, and it filled my cup. This work filled my cup. And I also then realized, okay, what are we doing to help set our aspiring managers or our emerging managers up for success before they potentially become managers or helping them decide that management isn't for them? Because you, it's just as important to not become a manager if that's really not what you want, if you're not going into it for the right reasons, then it is to become a manager for the right reasons. So um, I also started an aspiring manager forum with two aspiring managers on my team. And that really quickly became waitlisted. So I just found that people were really hungry for these initiatives that were simple and easy to lift. And it was just learning from each other um, to be better. And so um yeah, that's kind of what started my passion around management excellence and drove me to the, the role I'm in now. Amazing. So it sounds to me like you kind of just, you kind of fell into it. It was a natural fit for you. You're naturally a people person and you were naturally drawn to yeah. the educational element that's going to help support people. And yeah. it's, it sounds to me like Microsoft recognized your skills and let you cross over. Yeah, I feel so fortunate because what, what happened was I, it was like a light bulb moment for me when I was driving these people initiatives. It was at the time that I was um, uh, managing the global technical certification team. And I was doing these manager forums on the side, like my weekend job almost, but that's what was filling my cup every day. And it took me, maybe I'm a slow learner. I don't know. It took me a while to figure out like, wonder if that's a job over there, that work. And so I started a journey of, it took about a year. I didn't realize that there were any other facets of HR um, at the company than my HR person, line person that I would go to. And so I started doing searches on internal, the internal job site where I just would look for keywords that mapped to my passion. And I just reached out to those hiring managers and said, hey, I know I don't, um, have all the skills that you list in your job description, but would you be willing to talk to me about what your organization is like? And I can share with you some of the work I've been doing and, and my um, purpose and passion. And I met with about, 
I want to say it was about one to two people a week. I found every person I met with was in HR. So then I quickly realized this was a role that was going to be in HR and I have no HR background. So I thought, okay, how can I bridge that gap? But I just kept meeting with people and developing um, a larger new network that I didn't have before within HR. And I quickly found people were looking out for me because they could see that I was clearly really passionate about just simply making our managers better from a fundamental perspective. And so um, I, long story short, I found this organization called Global Learning and Development. It's within Talent Learning and Insights in HR. Didn't know it existed. And nice. the moons aligned and they were creating a new team called the, like, uh, the, it was the, essentially a manager team that was focused on a new initiative that was called the role of the manager that quickly morphed into manager reimagined where um, the, out, the outcome um, of this team was to define the role of the manager, which we hadn't done before at Microsoft, as well as create new manager expectations, which we didn't have in place before. And so um, I interviewed for one of the roles. It came down to me and one other person who uh, had HR background and DNI background, and I did not. Um, she ended up getting the role. So I boohooed for a little bit because <laughs> I wanted it so badly. I went Aww. back and I was a manager of managers for um, a shared services group for a while. But I told um, my CVP at the time, now that I've seen this role, I can't unsee it. And I will be on this team at Microsoft because I want to do this work at Microsoft. So I, with all my written resilience, I stepped back up and I kept driving these initiatives and I kept showing um, this, this uh, organization, the impact I was having in engineering on these people initiatives. And um, about six months later, they called me and they said, hey, Steph, we have a spot for you. And I could not believe it. And I still cannot believe it, that they took a risk on somebody who doesn't mm -hmm. have HR background, who doesn't fit the mold of the typical job description that they would be looking for. Um, but I'm honored that they took that chance to bring in something new. I call myself a bull in a china shop because I'm the one that go, that says things like, that's not going to fly in engineering. Like you can't, like, it can't sound like it's coming from HR. Let's make it sound like, um, you know, we're speaking to the managers in their organizations versus speaking at them. And so now, like, I can't even believe I get to say these words. My role at the company now is that I essentially own the manager audience for the company Amazing. and Amazing. I get to I get to um, ensure the skills and capabilities for managers are um, kind of where we want them to be in this new world with these new expectations mapping to um, and the expectations are model coach and care which nice. are yeah it's a huge pivot to our culture um, and I'm so proud that I get to do this work and that Satya is at the helm leading this work to um, help us be more of a culture of care than a culture of know-it-alls and a cult and be culture of learn-it-alls instead of this competition. I love it. Next. I love it. I think what's really interesting about your story is in a lot of companies, especially big corporate companies, it's very you're yeah. based in the States and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you, even though I'm American, I'm talking to you from Britain. And uh, there's a funny show. I think it's aired in, in America too, but it was a, a show called Little Britain. And they had a character on there who yeah. always had, was at the computer. We go, computer says no, you know, cause like they couldn't yeah. think beyond the computer, but the computer said. Yeah. And 
it's that is so you know it was so funny because it's so common in corporate culture that if you don't fit into this you know if your peg doesn't fit perfectly then people don't think out of the box and and see the person not the skill set necessarily you know knowing that you've got transferable skills yep. that will will work over uh into the new role and i it sounds to me like that's what they they saw in you and yeah. and it's it's not even just that though i think it's also your you talked about your competitiveness yeah and i think yeah. you're a very competitive lady aren't you yeah very competitive <laughs> where, where does the competitiveness come from Oh, I'm competitive to a fault in everything. <laughs> to the point where we will fight, like our family, we're all kind of competitive, but our family will fight to put the last puzzle piece in the puzzle nice. to where we're all like stealing pieces and then we'll, you know, push and shove to get the last piece in. Um, but I grew up with two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. So I'm a middle girl, right? Yeah, it. Happiness. It gave me my grit, my resilience, my fight. And um you know, when you get knocked down, you just get right back up. And I played also very competitive um, sports. I played very competitive volleyball and um, I played fast pitch. I was, uh, I played third base for a team that actually made it to the junior Olympics, which to me feels like yesterday, wow. but it was not yesterday. It was a long, long time ago. That's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. how much would you say that that competitive spirit, if you had to give it like a percentage yeah. How much of that would you attribute to your success? And do you even, do you even feel that you are successful? I mean, I obviously do. You are um, extremely successful. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it has to play a little bit, especially, especially for me early on being a, 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 a female in engineering, right? I was one of not very many. And a lot of the time I was the only woman in the room. And by default, when I would walk in, they would all, everybody in the room would think I was either an admin or marketing yes. um, because I didn't fit the mold. And so yes. I learned very quickly that, you know, be, between being competitive and that grittiness, and I learned that I had to, I took my seat at the table. I didn't wait to be asked. And I, I think that. having that, it's, it's interesting how you earn respect in that, in that kind of world. And I've kind of took that, take, have taken that with me is that, um, you, you do not let anybody quiet your voice. Don't let people talk over you. You have, it, it is your, um, you know, chance to have your voice be heard. So don't let anybody quiet you. And I always say, don't let anybody dull your sparkle. When I'm talking to people that are new to Microsoft, because Microsoft can be a hard company to onboard to. The environment is quick and fast paced and you have to be able to deal with ambiguity and drive mm -hmm. for impact. Um, it, uh, but also, it, so is everybody else. And so, you know, don't let anybody quiet your voice. And when you talk about, am I, do I feel like I'm successful? It's interesting because I, sometimes I do, sometimes I feel successful. And that isn't because I don't think of it as anything that I personally did. I think of it as I've, um, I like to lift the boats around me. And so when an employee comes to me or emails me or my team and says, your work has made a difference with my manager, I am a happier employee because of the work that you've done to make my manager better. That feels like success. When like success. Yeah. people on my team, like when they have knocked something out of the park that they never thought that they could do, or it made them really scared or nervous, or it pushed them outside their 
boundaries and then we can we can celebrate afterwards that to me is is success is that i you know i i don't um micromanage i support and i'm standing right beside every person on my team in every challenge that they face and i hope that they know that so that when they then have these huge successes that they didn't think they were capable of to me that is success i love that um, i love so. that talk to me a second about being the only woman in the room with the man. Um, has <laughs> yeah. that changed over the years? Is yes. that, how, how have you, how did you cope with that? What would be, for example, if, if there are women watching this yeah. uh, program right now and listening and thinking how, well, how does she handle that? Cause I'm in a similar situation. How yeah. do you make your voice heard? How do you uh, you know, step up in that way. What advice would you give to, to women listening and how would you say it's changed over the years? Um, it's interesting because for me, at first it wasn't easy because it being a competitive culture back in those days, um, the fear of saying something wrong or not being correct sometimes would make me stay quiet. And there were many times where I would leave a room or I would have something I wanted to say, but I, I maybe stayed quiet. And then another man in the room said exactly what I was thinking. And then I left that room really mad at myself that I didn't take that opportunity mm. to say what I wanted to say because of, of yes. fear. So don't let fear stop you. Don't let the little voice in your head that says, maybe you're not right. Don't, don't look fool. Don't ever let that stop you. Um, never, ever let your voice be, be quieted by somebody else. Don't give anybody else that power. And so believe in yourself and your abilities. I consistently tell myself and I have to remind myself even today, I was hired for a reason. They gave me this role for a reason. And so I'm going to make the best of it. And I vowed to myself that I'm never going to leave a room feeling regret that I didn't say something I wanted to say out of fear or because somebody else was trying to quiet my voice. And so that's, that's a little, a little bit of advice. And I think just, um, just have the confidence and the resilience and the grit to show, I, I tend to sometimes have a, I'll show you attitude. And that's yes. maybe the confident, like the competitive. <laughs> I think that's why we get along. We get along yeah. so well, Steph. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there was I, almost, I almost bought a shirt that said, uh, I dare you to underestimate me. Like, yes. just try it. And I so, because I, even if I am having the doubt, I turn it on a dime and say, okay, guess what? Game on. I will now show you, you, ha you have it wrong. Um, so anyway, that, and I think, you know, to your second question, yeah, the culture has changed quite a bit. And I think with, again, with Satya, who, um, I talk about the culture of care again, and, and I'll tell you with model coach and care, the three words, you'd think they're just three simple words. It took a long time to land those words and they have never resonated more than, um, when COVID hit. And to me, care was the word that I knew would change Microsoft in the industry because we haven't been known in the past as a caring company that was usually seen mm. as a weakness or something you didn't show. Or if you cared, it might make you feel like others might think that they're that you're not capable of doing really hard things. And that's not true at all. And now with Satya, 
he is modeling and championing championing that way within our culture. And so things like, of course, things like microaggressions still happen. Um, but in manager training, I'm trying to address some of those things head on so that we can start to really be more self-aware of how we show up, um, especially from an inclusive perspective um, so that all voices are included and that we don't have that feeling of, um, you know, I, I can't I can't speak up because I'm like a minority in, in the room and nobody will listen to me. So we're working on that. And I think that our leadership is really modeling that way so we can change. And I think it's shown. That's um, wonderful. That's yeah. no, that's great. Talk to me now. You're talking, you've shifted into COVID, which is something else I wanted to talk to you yeah. about. I think the assumption of the outside world would be Microsoft obviously has Teams, which is a competitor of Zoom. Yep. And I think the assumption from the outside world would be that Microsoft is thriving, was on top of this before the pandemic <laughs> happened. Everybody was using Teams beforehand uh, and everything must have been hunky-dory for them all through COVID. And would you say that that's true? Oh, from your face, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say yeah. maybe that's not actually the case. And so maybe you can give us a little insight on what, how COVID maybe affected Microsoft overall, yeah. uh, some of the changes that you might have seen there. And um and, and what you would say, you know, how they've adapted, how they've learned and adapted from, from this, this situation, how it's changed you guys. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, a couple of things that I'm actually really proud of is that when COVID hit and we had to turn on a dime to everybody be virtual, um, our, our team's team really stepped up. There were, um, we immediately had to scale globally to every employee at the company being on teams. Um, and just like everybody else, we had bumps along the way, but what was nice is that we, um, we didn't, it wasn't that technology. I don't think that we had issue with, or that we had problems with when COVID hit, it was more around, um, gosh, how do we, how do we drive impactful work in a, in a high, in a hybrid or a virtual environment? How do we make sure that our teams stay connected in, in this environment, how do you mm -hmm. care first and foremost for your teams in a, during a global pandemic that none of us have really ever experienced before? So there was a lot of things that tactically we needed to address specifically with managers, right? So we had to have the technology to be able to still come together, still have meetings, still drive the impactful work that we were driving prior to COVID. Um, but now we had some of these different challenges that we had to face for managers specifically in leading their teams. Pre and it's interesting because pre-COVID, we had hybrid teams. There were people that worked remotely. Um, some were on camera, some were not. And I will be honest with you, I wasn't one of those that liked to be on camera because it's distracting. Like I don't want to, I didn't want to see myself on camera. I didn't want to deal with cameras. And I think for all of us, that has switched now because that's how you that was the only way I could connect with people. I wasn't in the office anymore, seeing people in the hallways. This is the only way I could see people and connect. So I think it drove a, in a positive way, a new level of inclusion and a, a, a base foundation that um, nobody was excluded, right? So before, when you would have meetings in a conference room, 
it would be focused on who was in the conference room. And those on the phone usually couldn't hear or somebody was eating near the microphone or they were forgotten mm. and never asked like, hey, what is your opinion? Now we have a new level set for that, which I think is um, su super important. Um, and I think um, going into the next phase of like hybrid flex, we need to remember these things that we learned during this time that are positives that can come out of this, of how Absolutely. you really care for each person first and foremost, because now you know them personally. You see my, you see my office here. It's my gym as well. Like, so <laughs> like, you, you don't see my dog because my dog is outside. I locked her out. Um, and, you know, I think again, the team's team, I want to say just really quickly, um, met, met every challenge. They listened to the customers, both internally and externally. Um, and they added awesome things like the raise your hand feature to stop people from talking over each other, which is a Microsoft thing, right? I was talking earlier about getting your voice to be heard. Now you can raise your hand, which I think is awesome. And together mode where you can see everybody at once versus just one person at a time and just better ways to do breakout sessions and polls and um yeah they've really filters. stepped up which and I filters. Like filters. yeah we like the filters yeah. <laughs> and with COVID of course there's been I think everybody has a really funny story mm. about something mm -hmm. embarrassing or funny that's happened on a call what's the yeah. funniest or most embarrassing thing that's happened to you yeah. or that you've observed has happened to somebody uh, else well I mean there's been a couple of meetings where you're wondering is that person pouring their coffee or their tea or is something else happening that has happened uh or are they in the bathroom or are they pouring, <laughs> pouring their tea like you're like what is that sound I don't want to know I don't want to know <laughs> that that's why you gotta keep that's why you gotta keep the video on that's no, why I keep the video right. on yeah that's exactly <laughs> I right. know what you're doing I know what I you're know. doing <laughs> tea it's okay luckily that has never happened to me because I am <laughs> I triple check. Like I'm not sure if any, if I need to sneak away for a minute, it's everything's off. Um, but we probably like a lot of other people um, got a COVID puppy. Uh, her name is Luna Lovegood. My daughters Love are both seniors in high school and they've been asking for a dog since birth. And uh, I was always like, no, we're too busy. We're never home. Well, I mean, what was my excuse? Now we're always home. So, um, and she is Luna Love that is the love of, of course, the one person who was saying no to a dog. Now she is like essentially my dog. Um, but <laughs> with that came a few things with her that were kind of funny. There was one time I was presenting at a really important, um, highly visible meeting. And she started vomiting on the floor right next to me. And the sounds were super loud. <laughs> and I was like, I tried to mask my face of going, uh, uh, like, but I just focused. I just pretended it wasn't happening. I can't stop keep going. So, uh, that was one. And that. then, um, there was another one that was personally horrifying for me where I, again, thought I was on mute and I was focused on this meeting and somebody rang the doorbell and my girls were home from school, I think at the time. So, Nobody was answering the doorbell. The dog was barking like crazy. I thought I was on mute and I was smiling from a meeting, all kind and sweet. And then I thought I went uh, mute and I screamed, it's something wrong, answer that door. <laughs> so, so you saw like the two faces of me, I think. In the and then I heard somebody on the call go, 
I think she's talking to somebody else at home. And I went, oh, no. So quickly muted and went, apologies, COVID home, working from home. Everybody gets to see behind the curtain. It was, it. oh God, it was terrible. You're making anyway. my cheeks, your, your stories are making my cheeks hurt from laughing so much. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Right. So um, unfortunately we're running out of time, but I want to get one last question in uh, yeah. to you, Steph, is that you're obviously to me and to our audience, you are a very highly successful person. So, um, and this is the business success show. So uh, <laughs> if you had one bit of advice other than the having your voice heard and that, you know, in that specific dynamic, but um, if you had, if you had one secret to success, what, what would you say yeah. it is? For me, it, it, and it took me a bit to get there, but really take the time to figure out what do you love doing? What is your purpose? What is your passion? Take time to really ask yourself that. Because I tell you, I loved my, I've loved my career at Microsoft. I've been here a really long time. And first and foremost, I love the company. I love working for a company that I have pride in saying that I, I work here and that I've been able to see the different cultures and that I do feel like my work and my team's work is making a huge difference for kind of the new Microsoft. Um, but but it, it wasn't until I realized this is the work I want to do that it lit up and blew up kind of my thinking of how work should be done and, and what your focus before it felt like a job. It was a job. It was a great job. And now I, I'm my cup is full every day. I get to talk to you about this incredible work that we're doing at a huge company to change um, every employee's experience with their manager to be positive and consistent. And I can't believe that I get to do that work. So I think outside of everything else I said, that is really it. Just take a moment. I know we're all busy and I know we all have different things going, but take some quiet time for yourself and really ask yourself, what fills my cup? Is it this or what aspects of this role fill my cup? And then see if there are other things that would fill it all the way full. And that's what I am lucky enough to get to experience every single day at a company that I love so much. So I wish Brilliant. that for everybody Brilliant. to get to do what they love. Uh, that's great advice, Stephanie. That's great, great advice. And I hope everybody listening uh, takes that on board. Well, Stephanie Okamoto, we are out <laughs> of time. Um, but thank you very, very much for joining us today. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to see you again soon. This has been so wonderful. I love it. And Kim, you do such great work. And I'm so thankful that I got to be um, talking to you today. So thank you. You're wonderful, Steph. All right. See you soon. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Bye.